In a world where the customer is more important than ever and competition is greater than ever, a company's brand promise is everything. It goes to reputation, customer retention, product value, and ultimately corporate growth. So if that brand promise is broken in any way, a company could be in peril. While we correctly assume the concept of brand promise applies to B2B and B2C companies, it also applies to organizations like educational institutions. After all, they're offering a product and a service and they're promising satisfaction at the end of the day. Perhaps nowhere else will a customer turn away faster than from a company offering training or education that fails to measure up. That customer will never return and will likely let a whole lot of other people know about it too via something called social media. Hello, I'm Chris Henry and this is Ahead of the Curve, a podcast series about Salesforce technology produced by Gerent, a top-level Salesforce solutions provider and implementation company. In this episode, we'll examine the brand promise in education through the thoughts and words of two experts in the educational field. Mackenzie Kirby is the Director of Global Higher Education Recruitment at ELS and a member of the board of English USA, an organization dedicated to supporting quality English language programs in the United States. And Gordon Forsyth, Senior Practice Lead in Digital Experience Innovation with Gerent Digital, Gerent's digital marketing arm. Together, they'll offer their insights on the concept of brand promise in the education marketplace. But let's start with this thing called a brand promise in education. What does it look like? And how do you go about keeping that promise? Here's Mackenzie Kirby. I really think that a brand promise sets the tone for how we as an educational institution, but really any organization maneuvers through what I would consider to be the three big pillars of any organization. So people, process, and products. So if you're thinking about people, it could be the different types of customers or even your employees. So specifically employees, the brand promise really impacts who you're hiring, how you're training, how you are evaluating, how your expectations for how your team is even speaking and interacting with the customers. So, you know, for us at ELS, you know, we want people to be speaking optimistically and with inspiration and empathetically and reassuringly. And, you know, that's part of our brand promise and it really impacts the way that we are training and developing our team. For processes, I think it's really making sure you have systems and technologies in place that uphold your brand promise. And then, you know, for products, I think that would be whatever your educational product offerings are to make sure that they're meeting that brand promise. So it could be the, you know, whole overarching program, you know, for us, that would be an intensive English program, or it could be the product within a product. So our American experience course, which is housed within our online program is, you know, something that is 
a product that helps deliver that brand promise of preparing students for what it's going to be like here in America, you know, or if it's our students who are in here in America already, it's our skills enhancement course, another product within a product that really meets the students where they are in real time to enhance their language learning experience. So I really think it just sets the tone for how you maneuver through those three things, people, process, and products. Given his background in creative digital innovation for clients, Gordon Forsyth's take on what constitutes a brand promise reflects the realities of a digital age. Typically, going back many years uh, at the birth of branding, if you will, which started really in the consumer product industry, a brand was a way to build perception among a group of consumers that your product was better than other products for various reasons. And the practice of branding has obviously just continued to, to grow from that very simple idea. In more recent years, the idea of a company's brand being the culmination of all of the touch points and experiences and thoughts and emotions that a person has for a particular company um, has come to prominence, particularly because of obviously the online world that we live in mm-hmm. um, and all of the different types of experiences we have with a company. If you can imagine our experience years ago with a particular department store was confined to the time that we were in the store itself and interacting with the uh, customer service people in that store and perhaps the billboards that we saw and the television commercials we saw on our television uh, about that company. Today, it's much more complex. There are websites and apps that are integrated into the physical experience that become so important for how people perceive a particular brand. And as we speak, there's the digital natives coming of age and becoming a powerful force in the consumer world, meaning the first folks that don't remember a world before uh, there was uh, phones and the internet are now coming of age and becoming the driving force in the economy. Their expectation for digital experience is that it should be seamless, it should be easy, it should be tailored to them, And those experiences are driving brand perception in a huge way and living up to the promises that you have as a company in terms of what you stand for and and the quality of product or service that you want to deliver, that becomes really important to do now in a multi-channel fashion across websites, apps, digital experiences, as well as any brick and mortar and personal experiences that uh, people might have with your company, if that makes sense. Yeah, yes, it does. Now, in, in terms of educational organizations, what are they doing that is helping to deliver on their brand promise? That's a great question. And digital has, in fact, become key to educational organizations, whether you're talking about four year public universities to online learning institutions, the information that Uh, prospective students and or other audiences that they're serving do is a lot online for a good portion of the time through their journey. And consistently what we see with our clients is that there's a lot of complexity in the user journeys that educational organizations need need to handle. 
And that's that leads to very large sites with lots of information serving many different audiences. And if we just take a four-year university as an example, a university website has to serve not only prospective students, but current students and the parents of those students and the faculty and the local community uh, around the university, if indeed there are events that those folks are going to be attending. So that leads to a lot of complexity. And even just looking at a prospective uh, student, for example, the journey can take place over a very long period of time. Say, if you're a, a high school student looking to go to college, for example, right, that journey toward application and attendance is an 18 to 24 month process. So being able to serve the number of different needs that the audience have from a digital perspective is, is not an easy thing to do, but a lot of organizations are taking the step to implement CRM technology, customer relationship management technology, uh, content management systems, CMS systems, and marketing automation technology to try to help to serve their audiences better through personalized experiences. And a lot of them are making good steps, but there is a lot of complexity and, and process change that's involved in that as well. Well, that, yes. And, and uh, I'm glad you mentioned process change because software is one thing. And I think there's, there's quite possibly a, a sense or an idea uh, or an attitude that, well, if we just buy, you know, a software application, that's going to fix all of the problems. And that certainly doesn't because it is the processes that have to shift as well, specifically how should those processes shift? So again, this is something we see at um, educational organizations that we work with on a regular basis. I would say it's something we see across companies as well. And the challenge is that when you shift your mindset from a corporate stru structure or an institutional structure perspective where there's silos of functional people doing work, and you shift that to thinking about how your user's journey is perceived by your customers or prospective students and current students, they don't want to understand anything about the organizational structure that sits underneath. Their journey goes across that and their needs are ever-changing across that. So being able to address customer journey uh, challenges often goes across departments in these organizations. And having the capability for those departments to work together through the sharing of data and insights related to those journeys is something that we work on right from the start with our clients because success will only come when that type of cross-department collaboration uh, and consensus on vision in terms of uh, serving the customer journey all the way from, from beginning to end. If that doesn't happen, then uh, success is elusive. This point about the customer journey is underscored by Mackenzie Kirby as well. As the head of global recruitment at ELS, her primary concern is how the company interacts with the prospective student and what that student's first impression is. I think being interested, and I don't know if that's a normal impression, if that's what you were looking for, but I think really having a keen interest in the student and what their goals are. I find that oftentimes people are asking questions and just waiting so they can say a response, not really listening and uh, drilling down on what is important to the student. And at ELS, we really want to understand the student's goals and where they want to go to see how we can best help them. 
Okay, so that brings up this idea of personalized attention, which which is probably the bedrock of the brand promise. I think that's that goes without saying. What does that look like? What does personalized attention look like in terms of educational companies? I think it boils down to intentional follow-up. I know people always say the fortune is in the follow-up, but I think the follow-up has to be really intentional um, and personalized. So if you're thinking about students, that follows them through the entire state, every stage of their process of being at ELS. So every stage of their journey. So whether it's, you know, the application being incomplete and missing information, not just sending a bounce back email that says just general information, this is what we're missing, but really engaging with that student. Once the student has applied, having pre-arrival welcomes to calm jitters, putting online programs in place to have them feel comfortable and welcomed before they even get here. If it's a student who's already here in the country studying, whether they're struggling or maybe they're doing really great in their classes, it's making sure to follow up with them on that and hear their perspectives. And even considering their post-ELS studies, all of those parts of their journey are really important to have that intentional follow-up. And I think that also is mirrored in the way that we're speaking with agents and employees within the organization, you know, students, agents, employees alike, everyone wants to feel valued and important at all times and people want to be remembered. So having that intentional follow-up really is, I think, a differentiator for educational programs. Well, you you can't do any of that well without aligning the processes uh, within within an organization, and and I know alignment of processes is one of those terms that gets tossed around a lot. How do you guys achieve it? I mean, what are you using that is providing you an alignment of processes that helps you deliver on the brand promise? Well, not necessarily with the system, but I think. For us, the alignment of processes, the thing that's really key here is the collaboration between, you know, what might be normally considered competing departments, right? So in any organization, a sales department and an operation department is going to have different goals and sometimes competing goals. So making sure that there is a key collaboration between these departments so that we can align our processes and still meet that brand promise and still have the core objective of what we want to get done. So for example, with the university admission services, we're housed within the sales department, but you know, we're really both sales and operations. And so we have to figure out, you know, I mean, we have our brand promise, but what is our core objective here? for the university admission services and how can we meet those objectives within both of those domains that are you know somewhat separate and competing with one another so if we're looking at the sales side what sorts of systems do we have in place to impact the recruitment and make that as simple as possible both for the students the agents and the sales team if we're looking at the operations side what sorts of systems and processes do we have in place for the pipelines and making sure that those pipelines come to fruition and have a matriculation so for me it's really looking at how we can collaborate between departments to meet those goals and align our processes around those goals. That's best served with technology, isn't it? And I'm just wondering, I know that ELS uses a Salesforce, the the CRM component, and that's helping you to gather data. And really the whole crux of the nut here is about data, right? Mm. Gathering it, analyzing it, and doing something with it. 
Mm-hmm. Would you agree? That's yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, sale, ELS uses Salesforce at different stages, and typically for our domestic recruitment or our recruitment that is direct, as opposed to our recruitment that is coming through the agencies. So that is a resource that we use in one part of the organization that's really helpful in tracking the student's journey. A proven method for ensuring a favorable first impression, according to Gordon Forsyth is for the educational company to change its mindset from an internal view to an external view. Again, it comes down to gathering and analyzing data in order to shift that critical point of view. So one of the key tools that we use to help our clients to change their mindset from an internal uh, view to an external, what is my customer asking of me view, is a tool we call a persona. And this is just a, a construct of different groups of potential students or customers into meaningful ways that indicate their specialized interests. So in the case of, again, a university, a prospective student who's a high school senior is going to have different considerations and interests and needs than a transfer student. Both are prospective students, but there are two types of prospective students. And we would create personas to start to imagine what are those concerns for those different groups of students and how are we gonna serve them specifically? It so happens with prospective students from that first contact, there's a lot of research that we can lean on that's been done by various groups. And what they're looking for is pretty uniform in that their first thing that they're asking themselves is does this organization have the course that I want to study? And then sort of their decision-making process, their consideration process goes from there to, can I afford it? And then importantly, will I be able to do it? And what will my life be like at this organization? And that's true for both online learning and on-campus learning, right? So Mm -hmm. does that organization have the course I, I need or want to take? Can I afford it? Will I be able to do it? in the case of an online learning might be, how am I gonna fit this into my very busy busy schedule and do this at nights? Whereas if you're considering a campus learning experience, it's how am I gonna get there? Where am I gonna live? And then the whole, what will life be like question, you know, has a lot to do with like, will I fit in? Is this organization inclusive, you know, to my particular concerns? A lot of the times we focus on making sure that we serve those basic needs in a way that we can make a very good uh, first impression on those prospective students in that first contact. ELS is an English language learning company and it has a level of complexity not shared by domestic educational institutions. And that's recruiting and dealing with international students. I asked Mackenzie about the unique challenges around that. Well, I think one is pretty obvious right now, which would be COVID. (laughs) COVID is definitely a challenge, but even not with COVID, any sort of changes in the geopolitical landscape is a huge challenge for ELS or any English language program or international education for that matter. The whole industry of international education is an extremely volatile market. English language programs or ELPs, as we would call them, are really considered to be kind of the canary in the coal mine always foreshadowing what is to come in the industry. So if you look at trends or the history, you'll see 
sharp increases and steep declines in the ELP industry throughout time. So there's not really much that can be done about that, but beyond, I think, you know, diversifying customers and products. Gordon Forsyth from Gerent Digital points to the forced push to remote learning as a result of the pandemic as being an extremely disruptive event, but one that shed light on the vital role of digital technology. Well, I think obviously COVID has been a incredibly upsetting and disruptive event for everyone everywhere. And for learning in particular, I think a couple things are happening really like they are across other parts of our economy, but the the move toward remoteness or the ability to learn online from anywhere in the world, even you know, learning from the greatest institutions on the planet can happen uh, from across the world. Um, So this shift to online learning certainly is increasing. And the online learning organizations that have launched and have been there are growing at at huge numbers and, and have their own challenges of serving their growing customer base. And then the traditional more campus oriented learning institutions have their own challenges of trying to figure out how to serve now both a community on campus, but a community that is is off campus and remote. I don't think that it has highlighted any particularly brand new challenges. It's accelerated challenges that have been in the making, if you will, for these organizations. And I think has put a little more urgency into the idea that they need to start the plan to, to handle these different ways of learning. And at the same time, not lose all of those very important things, cultural things that have made them who they are today. So it is a big challenge and technology is, you know, helping to fill the void there. Well, scope out the role a little bit for me and what what and how digital technology is involved. Yeah. So I think that the number one challenge with regard to how digital technology can help continue to provide a brand promise and an experience that represents a company is you have to know who who the people are. So a customer relationship management implementation that's well done and solid from the ground up is critical so that you can begin to, from a data perspective, build the information base you need to understand all of the different customers and potential customers or students that you're working with, and you have a way to communicate with them very easily. So a content management system that runs a website that is uh, in some way integrated with a CRM and a marketing automation system that can send communications, that becomes the core of the experience engine is what we call it. So without knowing who the, who the folks are that you're that are working with you, not knowing what their needs are at that point in time, then you can't serve them through a digital means. So we focus a lot on getting that data model right and then using the technology in very smart and sensitive ways toward privacy and other concerns so that the experience that you deliver through that technology is appropriate to those students and those customers. If it is appropriate and helpful, uh, what we find in every single case is that people are willing to share information if it's gonna be used in the right ways. Mm. So that really is where a lot of organizations are spending their, their attention now. And I think the main challenge for those companies is how do they use that technology to the best of its ability 
um, in their own groups. Well, if you were a, a Salesforce account executive, which of the many Salesforce products would you encourage educational institutions, training organizations, and so forth to seriously look at in order to not only streamline their promises, but ultimately to deliver on the brand promise? So the good thing about the Salesforce platform is that it's it's a very integrated platform that has a lot of different capabilities that can be built on top of it. It solves the core CRM challenge of can I have a central a central place to store my customer or student information and can I then use that data for good purposes? So assuming that organizations have that core CRM functionality in place a lot of times when we're talking about brand and experience, we look at Interactive Studio and Marketing Cloud as two great tools to help take steps toward personalization and start offering meaningful content to their, their students and or customers in ways that are specific to their needs at that moment. And through Interactive Studio, we can learn what people are interested in through their interactions with our websites and applications, and then help them through their journey based on those interactions. And with Marketing Cloud, we can obviously provide important email communications to help them, you know, through the journeys if we if we can see that they're having trouble or if, you know, keep them up to date with any new developments that might be really important to them based again on what we know about them and their interests and how we're working with them in the CRM. So those would be the two that jump straight to mind on that. At the end of the day, an educational institution is a business like any other. It offers a product wrapped inside a service and backed by a kind of guarantee known as the brand promise. These companies and higher learning institutions need levels of digital technology for the exact same reasons as manufacturers, healthcare providers, insurance carriers, financial services firms, and many others. What we know about digital technology application is that it opens up doors that lead to a stronger connection with a customer, whether that's a consumer or a student. How can that not reinforce a brand promise? You've been listening to Ahead of the Curve, the podcast series about Salesforce technology produced by Gerent. Our technical producer is Dave Grine, owner of the Acme Podcasting Company in Toronto. I'm Chris Henry. Thanks for being with us. 